and the actors are acting in front of you, it's as if they're acting only for you. I don't restrict their performance. You can never tell from an actor, from a leading actor, what he's going to do. Act yourself, figure out how to rehearse. You just have to do it. Try to not over-talk it or overthink it. Leave some mystery to happen. Because I was an actor myself, I know what they're going for. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today we are talking talking heads. Um, we are talking about if you have to shoot something for a commercial or something corporate or a documentary and you're using someone that is a non-actor and is not acting, is giving a true life account. Um, now, you might be thinking, oh, this is a documentary, I only want to make fiction films or I only want to make tell stories, this doesn't apply to me. Um, if you can remember Band of Brothers the start of Band of Brothers, they used to have interviews with real-life veterans to kind of ground the story like, hey, this story is true, I was part of this battalion, I was in that war or that battle, um, here's my real-life account to kind of ground it, uh, the, the actual storytelling of the piece to ground it like, hey, this is real, this is happening, this is what I went through. So you may want to use that footage or that technique and we're just going to give you tools and tips of of interview styles and, and how to get those people that maybe are very camera shy um, and you want to make them comfortable in front of the camera or maybe, you know, you have a really good question that you want answered and maybe they're not going to give you the, the answer that you want and strategies for that or just, you know, like a bit of a mindset of, how to think about it when you're giving these interviews. So we're going to discuss that. It seems like uh, a good starting off point because like uh, if, if you are just getting into like filmmaking and, uh, you know, uh, getting some paid work, um, you know, you're most likely going to come across this sort of stuff, you know, unless you some kind of uh, magically, you know, have a good script and come across somebody that wants to produce your stuff and throw this money your way, this will be your bread and butter to, to sustain yourself as a filmmaker. Unless, unless you're doing some other stuff, unless you're doing a side gig, like you're working, you know, a nine to five job or whatever, um, or moonlighting for something. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a good way to practice. It's a good way to, to hone your craft, to learn how to work with all different types of people. And, um, to learn how to actually direct people in a simple setting as like a sit down or like an interview setting, like a talking head setting. So I think it's, 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 it's not very important, but it's a good starting off point because it's, it's, it's something that you will most likely come across if you're continuing to pursue this career. So the first thing like, and also like, you know, there's there's been directors that have started in documentaries and then they've moved to feature films, but they learned their craft of being mobile, of being like a small crew and working with a small crew and dealing with people that you can't like control. And you learn how to listen to what people are actually saying, the subtext of what they're trying to communicate and the subtle tells of if they're telling the truth or if they're lying. So... It would be a good education to do documentary filmmaking. Uh, Derek C in France, I might be butchering his last name, he, he was the director of Blue Valentine and he started off as a documentary filmmaker and he said that the biggest thing that he learned about 
doing documentaries first was it taught him how to listen. It taught him how to really listen to people. So um, it's a very good skill to have as a director. Yeah, that's something that I was gonna I was gonna get to. Um, look, yeah, as I said in interviews, talking heads. Uh, first of all, obviously, doesn't just translate to corporate gigs and um, typical, you know, three lighting sit down scenarios talking about, you know, business related stuff or, you know, content uh, marketing, so to speak. But it's also yeah, doc documentary filmmaking as well that's that's that gives you those those tools as well um so i think like to to start off with like what um what dean said is 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 very very important listening is always the most crucial thing and not not just listening as in um you know i'm hearing what what needs to be said but listening for the for the essence of the content of what's being said so one of the things we should look at you know, is, uh, you know, when uh, in the situation of interviews, uh, you know, let's say, let's start off, let's start off simply with, let's start off simply with uh, a corporate interview, like a simple sit down scenario. If we have, you know, real people that are working for a business, let's say we have a dog grooming business. All right. So if we use that example and we, uh, and we're interviewing the CEO of uh, Mr. Groom. Right? We'll call the company Mr. Groom. And Mr. Groom is uh, the CEO and he wants a interview scenario to talk a little bit about his business and you do a little bit of, uh, a, little bit of a talking head interview. So how you'd approach that is um, fundamentally through knowing how to ask Mr. Groom, the CEO, the right questions, knowing how to, um, and we, we did an episode on asking questions to actors, but it applies to the same with non-actors. Um, and the reason why, why we say that is asking questions in relation to open-endedness and questions that aren't divulging just facts or information but rather the emotional content of what they're saying is very, very important. So you as a director doing these interviews and you might be saying, oh, well, I've got to you know, do everything, this and that. Yeah, well, that's that's part of it. Sometimes, most likely, if you're starting out, you, you've got to be a one-man band, so you're kind of preparing everything. But you're lucky enough that it's a simple sit-down interview. You can do camera A, camera B, just do a cutaway and... Um, know the content so most likely you'll be the one talking to mr groom now the types of questions you ask him these these open-ended questions are related to the emotional essence of the company you might throw out a little bit of facts um, or, or let him expouse a little bit of facts about the company you know just just to to demonstrate the emotional connection to the business but it's those questions that you know that you've prepared beforehand that allow him to expose more in terms of what what we call like a shorthand. So what you want to do is when you when you are asking these sorts of questions, you want to make sure that you know them so you've internalized them. And by that, I mean you want to know the questions so you're not holding a piece of paper in your hand. 
of, of what the questions are. You're not holding a script, looking down, right? Looking down at your notes and then talking to the speaker. You want to be there present and listening with them because uh, it's, it's a very, very important to, to, uh, to the person that's speaking, especially when they're not an actor. Uh, it's very important that you maintain eye contact, you're nodding and you're giving them feedback. Even though you're off camera and you're probably not going to be speaking, one of the things you need to do to, to make it uh, more natural and to allow them to open up to you is to uh, be present with them. And I know it's a bit of a cliche to be present, but being present is like, take it this way, if you go to a restaurant with uh, one of your best friends you know you haven't seen in a while you go to a restaurant and you're gonna have a catch-up and you're gonna have a dinner and suddenly your, your best friend takes out his phone and halfway through a conversation your your um, your friend is on his phone and you're trying to tell him a story about uh, how your grandma's been hospitalized or it doesn't even have to be you know something as dramatic as that you know you could just be telling him you know how you are and you know you've made this effort for for yourself to to catch up with your friend yet he takes out his phone and he starts glancing at his phone suddenly you don't become as important anymore and you feel that you're like well this person doesn't you know he doesn't care you know so that that that's very important subconsciously you know when you're standing next to the camera and you know you're asking these questions yes you can have a sheet next to you but have it as a cheat sheet see i've got i've got my notes next to me and dean's got his notes but we have it in a in a way that it's it's shorthand. So we've prepared it beforehand, but there's certain things where it's it's uh, it's it's just in in deciphered in our own understanding in our own brain. So if I get stuck on certain things, uh, or I get you know I trail off on certain things, then I can kind of glance back to go, oh yeah, and I need to discuss that, or could we possibly discuss that? But at any moment. I'm not actually forcing this conversation to be based on my notes. I'm just actually listening to what Dean's saying and kind of going with his flow at the same time. But if we both lead in like a dead dead end, like dead zone, then we can refer back to our notes and go, there's this opportunity. Yeah, like um, Ken Burns, he'll use his, uh, he's a docu- famous documentary filmmaker, done a lot of uh, documentary series and movies, but he will have his notes but, you know, like um, with him and he'll have questions and he'll write down if he thinks of another question to, uh, to, to ask them. But he'll be engaged and looking at them and, and when they're talking. But if it's something where it's like, I've got what I wanted, I got what I needed, you know, he'll glance at his notes to be like, what's the next question I'm going to ask? And then that subconsciously tells the interviewee that, oh, okay, cool, like, you know, like this is the end. You can't interrupt your your subject when you think. You can't say, hey, okay, that's enough or, you know, quiet down or, you know, like stop that or, you know, because maybe they might waffle. Maybe they might go on a tangent that has nothing to do with anything. So sometimes it's it's a kind of way to go, okay, cool. We got what we needed. Okay, let me look at my notes. And it kind of subconsciously tells them, okay, cool. Like wrap up the question without saying it because you can't be verbal. You can't go, mm-hmm, when you're listening, mm-hmm, yep, 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 okay, yep. Oh, yeah, that's cool. You want to be silent. So you want to be, uh, as Werner Herzog says, you want to be enthusiastically or visually listening. You want to 
show that you're visually enthusiastic and really like you you just can't wait you just want to hear everything you want to hear every detail about that story and you want to look for you know if you're looking for people of like who you want to discuss maybe you've got options of who you're trying to interview you want people that are going to tell you the details not the facts like in this year this happened and then in this year that happened and then this year that happened and then because of that you know, like you know as the years went on we were very poor but if you find someone that says hey you know like we were eating this really like this combination of food that was very particular it was like it was called slosh and they were eating it during the civil war you know like that's a fine detail that kind of says oh yeah during these years of that war you know that it was it's this little fine detail that's interesting but you know if you just talk logically in facts of like this happened this year and by that you know it's it's boring you don't want a, a logic fact by fact you want uh, a roller coaster of of emotion with logic yeah uh what's what's really important what what i kind of picked up on what you said and i wanted to go off on that is what do you do if um they do waffle on a bit and it kind of strays off the story but then you can't because um what i've noticed is and what i've heard from other filmmakers is um doing these sorts of interviews you need to be kind of to the point and specific on you know certain answers that they give yet they could waffle on and kind of stray off the story and do like a five or ten minute monologue on on certain things which we've known to do on this podcast but um like how do you bring them back to to basically uh get them to make it more specific and make it more kind of to the point like you let's say you're interviewing mr um mr groom and he's waffling on about his life and his family and all this stuff and you're like well that's great those points are great that you're hearing but i can't use it for the edit because it's too long i can't i can't cut into it um how do we how do we go back to making that more specific because one of the things i find is with non-actors they won't be able to uh basically nail it uh, the second or the third time around. And this is why you get actors, professional actors, because that's what great actors do. Yeah. They're able to nail it for the 10th time. Uh, Ken Burns says, he tells them before the interview, he goes, I don't want a chapter, I want a paragraph. That's what he says. He he, he says, I, I want a paragraph. Like, you know, like I want you to, you know, if he says like, if I ask a question of, do you like chocolate? Mm-hmm. He goes, I don't need a one, I don't, don't, I'm not looking for a one syllable answer, yes or no. What I want you to say is, uh, I want you to say, if I ask you a question, do you like chocolate? I want you to say, yes, I do love chocolate. And you can, and after you've said that, you can say as long as you want in order to get your point across on how much you like chocolate. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking for a paragraph, not a, not a chapter. Yeah. Book. Yeah, that sounds like a good point. I've, I've kind of come across something very similar um, where I've heard that uh, a good point is uh, to... Uh, once once they give you the you know the 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 waffled on speech you know the 10 minute uh, monologue then um you know i've heard you know a good point would be to get them to summarize what they just said like and you can pick out certain points which are very interesting like oh yeah that's that's great that you're telling me about your family 
um, Mr. Groom, you know, but can can you just tell me what is it uh, specifically about your dog or your grooming product that, you know, you fell in love with? Like, well, let's just keep it on that. So I think it's it's this thing like getting it the first time, especially with non-actors, is very, very important. So like um, getting them to do it again is where most interviews fail because where directors ask or like filmmakers, whatever it is, where they're asking and failing is, can you do that like you did it just before? Like exactly. And then they realize, oh shit, because they're non-actors, they go, I have to do it word for word. So then they, they're more re- robotic and then you don't know why it's come out that way, but you realize that they're not telling the essence of the story. Like they're not telling, when you see, when you're standing next to the camera and you see the twinkle in the eye of that person talking and they get excited about what they're talking about, that's important to, to, to put in, right? And that's important for you to listen to because that they're excited about it and they want to share it with you. And if you're not listening, that will die. That, you know, piece of information will die and it won't translate across. Yeah. Um, there's, yeah, the, Ken Burns and Werner Herzog work completely differently. Like Werner Herzog will, he won't talk to them before the interview. Like right. he'll meet them, you know, on the day of the interview. Um, if it's a subject that he's like following around for like a few months or whatever, and it's like they're the basis of the documentary. Mm-hmm. He'll talk about everything but the stuff that he actually wants to talk about. So he'll talk about, you know, what's your favorite food? What's your, what are your dreams? You know, all the stuff that don't relate to the actual like meat and bones of the documentary because he wants that fresh um, when, he, when he does it. While Ken Burns, he'll do a pre-interview before he actually shoots an actual interview. So he'll ask them the thing and he goes, yeah, sometimes... You'll do the pre-interview. They'll answer the question, and that you know, when, during the pre-interview, there's no cameras. It's just them talking, um, and then he'll go and get them for an interview. And then the, now there's cameras, and then there's lights in their face, and all of a sudden they're very uncomfortable um, with uh, divulging that information again. Um, so that will happen. So uh, you know, like Ken Burns, you know, just interviews like so many more people than Werner Herzog. So he's he's trying to craft like a narrative. He's like doing a bigger picture kind of deal. So he he needs to know, like work out what kind of story he's trying to craft with the pre-interviews. Well, Werner Herzog is kind of in the moment telling, telling more intimate documentaries about one person's life or journey. So he's uh, all, you know, like he did a documentary about... Uh, uh, prison inmates on death row so you know like he doesn't get the opportunity sometimes to to talk to them multiple times over a long period he only has like one day to to interview them before they get executed so yeah that's a, I'd, um i want to go off that as well because like if you are doing uh more of like a documentary style and you're trying to get something that's uh emotional out of the person like an event or something that they're describing you want to phrase it a little bit differently in a in accordance to how you would phrase it with actors with with normal people if if you ask them what happened they will usually relay the facts and the facts are usually boring for for that documentary but if you ask them what were you feeling 
with when that happened and get them to reiterate that, they're most likely, you're most likely going to get something more. You're most likely going to get um, a better performance. Yeah, uh, that happened in uh, Grizzly Man. He was talking to the coroner of the bear attacks and stuff. And he was giving his answer, but he did it like he was on trial. Like he was like giving like evidence in court of like, this is what happened mm. and just giving the fact and fact. And Werner Herzog stopped him and said, no, 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 I'm not, you're sounding like you're on trial. I don't want that. What I want is like, how did you feel about this? You know, how did you feel about seeing this body or with this grizzly attack? What were you going through? How did you, tell me your experiences of, mm. you know, dealing with this body and, you know, like how, how did you think it felt, you know, that what, how this man died or et cetera, you know? Yeah, this, this is important. I just want, before we kind of jump onto other things, I just want to reiterate that this is very important because when you're working with actors and on a, on a narrative piece, um, you're, unless you're doing like, you know, the, the characters reliving a past event and they're explaining their feelings, um, for narrative, the characters need to be going through what they're going through at that time. But um, if it's if it's a narrative piece that has interviews, let's let's use example of um, what's what's that? True Detective. If we use True Detective as an example, you know, there's a lot of interview scenes there. Um, he's kind of reliving his past. He's talking about certain things, um, which is part of the show. But more often than not, like you would never talk to actors like what what their character needs to be experiencing in that moment it's actually flipped around you would ask them what's happened here right rather than what are you feeling here because that that is that is um that is a very important thing to to understand but if you're doing these interviews then you want it the other way around because these people that are describing the event they're describing it um they're not reliving it they're not showing you what happened like they're not demonstrating it for you but they're explaining it visually so they're trying to connect through empathy so it's very important to understand how those two um dichotomies work like what happened versus you know what what are you feeling all right so it's, it's one of those things which when when they don't have that much experience that when you ask them what were you feeling as, as they're describing it, as they're describing the, the events or whatever it is, they're kind of reliving that past. They're reliving um, that event, that moment that they're describing. That what happens is sometimes that can also lead to them waffling on and kind of uh, experiencing, experiencing those things as they are happening Therefore, it might seem a little bit long, longer-winded than you actually need. So what you can actually do is once they've told you that story or, you know, and are explaining what, what they were feeling and going through, like through this long-winded uh, speech, you can get them to uh, do, do another, another take to reaccount that same uh, event basically not word for word, but now that they do it the second time, those uh, feelings, those thoughts, those images that, that they've retained are much more easier for them to bring up and they become more specific. Then it becomes, the answers become more to the point, they're more specific, they're more relevant and you'll be able to use them more in the edit. 
Absolutely. Um, and you want to like re- keep reassuring your subject, your your interviewee. You know, like you, they're doing a good job. You know, sometimes uh, a trick that Ken Burns does is he'll be like, he'll say there's something wrong with the light, like a technical issue, like oh, is the light alright? You know, something something's wrong with the light. What's what's going on with the light? And then he goes, oh, by the way, you're really good. You're a really good interviewer. Like, is this your first time? Like, because you seem like a pro at this. Like, you're really good. You know, and like he just makes them and gives them like this positive reinforcement. Like, hey, you're doing a really good job. Like, this is fantastic. Like, we're getting some really good stuff. You know, you're a natural in front of the camera. So it just goes, oh, cool. Feeling at ease and I'm feeling comfortable, you know. So he'll do that and go, oh, yeah, something wrong with the light. You know, maybe, hey, is the light all right? Okay. Oh, by the way, hey, you're doing a good job, you know. Because sometimes you might not get that opportunity um, to, you know, like it feels weird to break it up after a question or an, or as an answer, you know what I mean? Um, but you want to treat your subjects like they're not it's not an interview it's a conversation you're having a conversation with these people you know like you're getting to the heart of who they are as a human being you know when herzog talks about that a lot he goes don't treat it like an interview like it's a stagnant thing you're, you're connecting with a human being it's it's all about connection and having a, a conversation so you want to try and make that as real as possible but it's not going to be real because there's going to be cameras there's going to be lights there's going to be all these kinds of things so you know you even have to you know if you're doing the ken burns style of the pre, of the pre-interview you'll want to be like hey is how, how do you feel about the lights and the camera are you okay is everything good like you know because sometimes it, it can be a bit overwhelming to be under lights you know and being under lights can be really hot um, you can feel a bit un- uncomfortable and pressured and it's very artificial. So you kind of want to ground them and as much as possible, you know, and you want to be sitting as close to the camera as possible and say, hey, if you can ignore the camera and, and lights, that'll be great, but just look at me um, and let's have a conversation. Yeah, that's that's the most important thing if you take out of this is the fact of listening like you'd think that um you know when you go to court and you're presented with with a lawyer and he's interrogating you or you know police officer that are doing those interrogation scenes they're usually not having a conversation with you they're trying to get things out of you and it's not very pleasant like it's it's a very uncomfortable situation whereas you want people to open up in these interviews you want to see a certain side of them where you can uh where the audience can kind of relate to them so it's not a thing of like i'm on a cross bench where i'm interrogating you and i'm asking you these questions and you better answer them um yeah it's it's like dean said it's it's a thing of conversation is usually two-sided and even though you can't speak it's just the affirmation of i'm making eye contact i'm listening i'm nodding like that the visual cues are there um and just the other important thing I wanted to bring up is, you know, when you're asking a certain question, you'd ideally want them to, if you're not using your voice in in the interview process or in the documentary, you'd ideally want them to, you know, if you're using a snippet of that interview, you'd ideally want them to repeat the question, you know, like uh, if I ask, what is it about dog grooming? That, that you love, Dean, what would you say? Uh, what I love about dog grooming is that, you know, 
you you take care of all the unnecessary hair. Yeah, you know? that's that's as, as simple as that. Um, so then it's it's kind of self-explanatory, but it's just it's good to kind of touch up on it because then you can cut my voice out of it, and then the audience gets an idea of what he's talking about, so we can cut straight into him. Yeah, and also like uh, you know generally these out these interviews take an hour, and like I said, like it's really hot under the lights. So um, for your interviewees, make sure there's a glass of water uh, next to them, so then they can have a drink of water to um, you know. Uh, get 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 lubricated. Get, get get their voice moist and crisp for you. So you um yeah sometimes that will happen. So uh, yeah, make sure that they're comfortable. They got water and yeah, they're very and then also like try and have a small crew as well. You know, don't have so many like unnecessary people when you're doing these small intimate conversations. Like the more people you have, the more lights, the more production value you have. Like it's gonna overwhelm. The person so the less things going on you know because in the documentary film crew is like two three people that are doing it there's a sound guy there's a lighting guy there's a camera guy maybe there's two people maybe it's one person but if you're doing like a, using this for like a production like a, a feature film and then you're doing a production and you're using those real people like the band of brothers thing try and get the people to either do the job and then piss off leave the room or um yeah but just try and keep it small and intimate as possible the other thing I would just say is like before the interview, you know, maybe you just have like a little bit of a chat beforehand, get them comfortable, like just start them off with with a little bit of like just small talk, chit chat, and just to make them feel comfortable, just to get them into that talkative mood because, you know, sometimes as human beings, you know, sometimes we have very sol- solitary lifestyles. And if you haven't been practicing having a conversation, sometimes it's very hard to jump into a big, deep, very talkative conversation. So sometimes it's very good to talk to them and get them into a conversational, talkative mood um, before you start rolling. So that's that's probably the one little tip I would give is just make sure that they're talkative because they, who knows, they might have had to be in a car for two hours by themselves or they might have you know, been somewhere or you're talking to someone that works in an ice station in the middle of Alaska and, you know, they haven't had human contact for a while or they just have a very solitary job or, you know, they, they're a delivery driver and, you know, they're just in the car all day long by themselves or a truck driver, whatever. So you just want to make sure that they're in a talkative mood because they might not be. Yeah. Really good points. You want to finish there? Yeah. And that's all uh, we got today, guys. Uh, See you next time. See you next time.